Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Man on the Post Weekend Review. Uh, once again, my name's Dave Black, and I'm in the hot seat this week, as Chris is still moving house. Um, but I'm joined again by Ali Thompson. Ali? Hello. What a difference a week makes. Oh, happy days. I hate to stay until next week. But. <laughs> yeah, <that's true>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a strange old weekend, really. There seems to be a lot happened, yet almost nothing's happened in terms of the league table, which... Uh, We'll come on to, but um, we'll start with we'll go in we'll go in order. Um, and we can pick the bones out of some of these games from, from Saturday to begin with. And so, uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton, which is Ali, which motorway derby is this? I have no idea. Ah, it's well, at my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, it's one of these where it's not it's not a derby geographically, but it's a derby because they don't like each other. Right, going, okay. going, going back many many a year. Um, anyway, the, the upshot is that, is that Brighton won 2-1. Um, Glenn Murray scored with his fourth touch of the game, which is about 20 minutes in. Um, Crystal Palace equalised through a penalty, shock horror, and then Anthony Knockout curled in a winner. Um, I um, only saw the first half of this and listened to the second half on, on the way to the, the Newcastle game. Uh, did you see much of this? Or? Yeah, I did. I actually watched... Pretty much most of it, say, say about eighty percent of it, barring barring like fixing like kids' lunches and and dog walking and such. And it was actually quite an, an a game that you just put on. I didn't even plan on watching it. I thought I'd just have it on in the background, um, get things done around the house. But actually, just it was one of those games that you know it's quite fascinating. You know, the quality isn't always there in these games, um, but. I don't know, it's just something, something hooked me in. I mean, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Brighton, as much as I couldn't tell you any other players as <laughs> we established them and uh, Huddersfield are the same team. But my, my best man at my wedding, his girlfriend's from Brighton. Um, so just a wee, when they were in the championship and that, you know, it was just that team you always looked out for. Yeah. Um, and results. So yeah, it was good to see them getting that one. I thought all three got, I mean, I know it was a penalty, but it was a well taken penalty by, uh, Mahovic. Is that his mm. name? Um, Mal- uh, Milijevic, yeah, that, uh, yeah that, him. That'll do. Yeah. Um, I mean, Murray's goal was well taken, and and Knockhart like kind of shown a glimpse of what we've been expecting really all season because there's clearly a talented player there. What did like, you make of uh, of his ball buster in the first minute? If you've seen it, I haven't. No. I mean, it was just a a bad tackle on Milivojevic, Funnily enough. Um, in about 29 seconds, I think it was in the game, he uh, just went right into his uh, into his Lucas uh, in the first in the first couple of seconds there. Um, I don't think it was a red card. It was just a bad tackle. Was bad it challenge. one of those like get the tackle in early because you know you're going to you're not going to be sent off? Well, I think that they both slid in, so which, which possibly saved them to be honest, because uh, it was just slightly later than the yeah. other boy, which, But uh, bad way to start a game, being. Uh, 
getting studded in the nads, but <laughs> it doesn't say it all well, does it? It doesn't affect this penalty taker. And like you say, he's uh, he's uh, there's not many take a, a cooler penalty than him. No, seventeen out of nineteen for Crystal Palace now. Um, the Palace get a lot of pens, don't they? Yeah, I mean. Which is strange for a team like Palace. I mean, they don't spend a lot of time in the opposition box. But, I mean, players like Townsend, Zaha, I mean, say what you want about Zaha for he going down too easy, but, you know, they're just those nippy players who, who are comfortable yeah. going past a player. And Premier League defenders aren't the brightest. <laughs> um, because it was a penalty as well. You know, there's not even controversy in it for me. Um and I think that's what they do, as, as you say, it's just surprising they get so many. Um, normally it's the big teams we talk about yeah. getting them, but I think Crystal Palace are about maybe three clear for the season to the to the next team. Well, really, that's, uh, that's incredible, really, as you say, but there's a lot to be said for pace and running the players and the way Palace play on the counter-attack as well. I think it leaves a lot of teams exposed uh, and left with, with little alternative. Um but, as you say, well taken pen, and then knockout goal was the pick of the bunch, really, wasn't it? It was a uh, proper postage stamp effort. <laughs> yeah, did you see Glenn Murray's reaction? Have you seen I the, didn't, actually. The, the, oh, there's a picture going about, I'll find it and I'll put it in the, the WhatsApp group. Glenn Murray turns round and it's like, you know the cheeky monkey emoji that goes about? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He, he does that reaction. Um, and there was an interview after the game, says he tries it in training all the time. And he basically comes nowhere close. <laughs> so it was like that, just shock. I think it was more one of those, he was turning around like, what are you doing? And then it goes in and it's like, all right, okay, you've got me. <laughs> but, uh, it was just, it was good. It just, it's, you know, it's those silly little moments that make football, you know, kind of nice and warm hearted when you see, oh, some, yeah. you know, some of the nasty stuff. It's nice to see some of the, the more comical storylines in it. But yeah, it's definitely worth looking at if you get the chance and, I'll, have, I'll, I'll, have, I'll post I'll, it later on, yeah. I'll have a look out for a match of the day too tonight. Um, these two teams are now both on 33 points, five points ahead of uh, 18th, which is essentially six because of the goal difference. Yeah. Uh, are they both safe for you? For me, yeah. I mean, I think we mentioned it last week that I think it's the, the 16th, 17th, 18th position teams, Southampton, Burnley, Cardiff, um, yeah. are the three for me. It's one, it's one of those three. Um, I mean, Cardiff got a good win, which we'll come on to. Um, and obviously, Burnley's result today um, wouldn't have helped. But yeah, <laughs> Crystal Palace are most certainly safe. Uh, they've just got too much talent there that they really shouldn't be 15th. Uh, four teams, sorry. And I think we mentioned it last week as well. I just think Brighton's centre halves, you know, just the attacking threat. And Glenn Murray, say what we want, but. He, he can find a goal when he gets a chance. Um, the problem yeah. for them is getting him a chance. Well, this is a strange thing, wasn't he? He wasn't even meant to play yesterday. Um, Hutton's tend to have gone with Andone away from home. Uh, he's obviously a bit more mobile, uh, probably offers a bit more off the ball. Um, and for the first 20 minutes, Murray had, I think it was three touches and obviously scored with his fourth. So it just goes to show the value of having a player on the pitch who, who knows where the goal is. And, you know, maybe there's a lesson there that's not necessarily you don't need strike to be tracking back maybe there's a lot to be said just for hanging, hanging on the last defender and waiting for that chance to come along especially for I mean without using the big team arrogance but especially for a lesser team you know who don't create a lot of chances and don't maybe have a lot of possession on the ball in, in games you, you might only get one or two chances and if you've got a player like, I mean J- Jermaine Defoe was crucial for it for years mm. 
you know, he was very clinical and I mean, big teams as well, to be fair, need a player like that sometimes. Doesn't always have to be the runner of the fancy play. Um, we'll come on to Harry Kane. You know, <laughs> but if you can just get somebody who's scoring goals, I mean, Glenn Murray must be in double figures this season. Um, I, I mean, he was on oh, penalties at the start of the season as well. So I'd imagine he'd probably comfortably in double figures. And for a team like Brighton, um, that's crucial. Having, I mean, there's not many strikers who are regularly going to hit, say, 10 goals a season, like league goals a season? No, probably not. Uh, I mean, to, to look at Newcastle, for example, I think Rondon's got six or seven, which really, you know, that's kind of uh, not many, really. No, <laughs> and we're saying he's having a good season as well, you know. We, exactly, We, we yeah. respect Rondon, he's a, great, he's a great player. I mean, he works very hard for the team, maybe too hard mm. um, at times. But again, that's Rafa's philosophy. You know, and what he wants from his players, and as we say, if you if you can get a team, and I mean, if you've got like a confident knockout, and I'm going to pretend I know Brighton players, but you know, I mean, if you get workers and runners around uh, Murray, and you can just get them those chances. Yeah, he's got uh, eleven goals this season, and he only got twelve last year. I think a lot of people obviously think he was uh, having. A quieter season this time round compared to last year, but he's only one behind. One behind in what yeah. eight games to go? Yeah, yeah, eight games to go. So you'd fancy him to get, say, two goals in that one. In... Hey, you'd think so. Yeah, uh, so yeah, he, he overtakes that, and then we're saying, are we saying he's having a good season, not a quiet season? And I, you said he he doesn't he always start anymore, whereas last season he was a regular. You know, he was the he was the main man. That's it. It's um, how old is Glenn Murray now? 30, 36, 35? Yeah. Uh, 35. He's still going strong, to be fair to him. How long do you uh, think he's got left in, in Premier uh, League level? I think next season probably yeah. be his last, to be honest. I think, obviously, you say the kind of phase around a bit now with, with Andone, who I actually rate quite, quite highly when I've mm. seen him, but uh, obviously got injured in the warm up yesterday, but. Uh, you can't go on forever, can you? No, but, I mean, the good but, thing for Murray is it's not like the legs are going to go. Well, that's it. It's a bit like Peter Crouch, isn't it? It's yeah. not as if he's, he, his game's based on uh, seer and pace. If he keeps getting in the right positions, then he wants to say he couldn't play for another three or four years. But And Brighton always try to play football, which is probably a good thing. You know, not like they're lumping the ball up to him. No, I mean, they, they make the most of set pieces when, when they get them, but generally in open play, they're, they're, they're quite... Uh, you know, quite a passing side. Yeah, he's, the, he's the wingers a lot. It's uh, yeah, it probably works in, in his favour. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Kind of got a bit of soft spot for Glenn Murray. I don't know why. I think it's maybe just the the romance story of like you know the the age of him. And it's it's weird, isn't it? Like there's probably not been a player who's more irrelevant until the last couple of years of his career. You yeah. know, like it's. Uh, I, I couldn't honestly tell you anything about Glenn Murray until about four years ago, and, and now he's uh, now he's an established Premier League striker. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, very, very reminds me of the who's the player that we signed off Southampton. It was kind of in reverse. What was he? Uh, Ricky, Ricky Lambert. Oh yes. He's kind of Ricky Lambert's career in reverse. You know, he, Ricky Lambert was highly talked about all the time because he was scoring all those goals. You know, all the way up to the Premier League. So everybody kind of knew who he was. And then when he got to the Premier League, he, he'd done all right his first season, but he obviously Liverpool signed him, and then that was kind of the end of him. Um, I don't know what he did after that, but um, you know, very just 
as you say, just a very strange career path to to hit your peak when really most players who's had the career he had would probably be looking at retirement or dropping down to like League Two just to carry on playing sort of thing. Yeah. yeah good on him. <laughs> good on him. Well, we've mentioned there um, briefly uh, Cardiff were 2-0 winners over West Ham. Uh, Junior Hoylet, or David Hoylet, as uh, Match of the Day gave him his Sunday name for some reason. <laughs> and uh, and Victor Camarasa with a scruffy goal. Uh, I don't know about you, I, I really didn't expect Cardiff to win this with with the run West Ham had been on. Um, Cardiff's last home game, they played Watford, who were kind of similar-ish to West Ham, and Watford hammered them. Uh, and yet this looked like quite a comfortable, almost routine win, um, judging from what, what I saw last night on the highlights. Um what do you make of, of Cardiff? They just they won't flush. They uh, every time they every time they look down and out, they they keep coming back for more. Yeah, that seems to be it, and it seems to be Warnock's mentality. I know, like he deserves all the mocking he gets, and he's a terrible manager, but he does seem to have that just that steely mentality, that gritty, just never say die. You know, never know. Yeah. The, you know, it's not it's not pretty and it's not nice and it's nothing like that. But they just have that they've just got something about a bit about the teeth sometimes um, and it's very strange you know when they pull it out it's always in games they're not expected to that's that's uh, yeah that's probably a good point I think uh, Cardiff have pulled some of their wins this season have been totally out of the blue I seem to remember them winning at Leicester which no one really fancied them to do um, and they've just I mean they've won eight games which is uh, probably double the amount most would expect them to win well, yeah, we I think a lot tipped, including just because of their transfer signings alone, they seem to be preparing themselves for the championship. You know, straight away. You know, they they were buying championship players, they were buying lower premier players. You know, just look low wages, just looking like that. Right, they're preparing. If they go down, they're okay. They're built. You know, good prep championship players as well. So they were going to be like bedding them in, ready for a a fresh crack at the championship. Um, and yet they've, they've definitely surprised me. I mean, as you mentioned, the Leicester result, the West, the West Ham have been on, I mean, such a strange team, West Ham. Um, mm. But they've been on such a good run. And we were speaking about them last week, just about the, you know, the European places and how they were they were right in the mix for that as well. And then they go and do that. I know, they must have been looking at this weekend and saying, well, Wolves are at Chelsea, Watford are at Man City. We could win this and go to what would be forty-two points, two points off seventh. Um, you know that would have been ideal for them, really, with a, presumably a home game to come because they were away this weekend. And then they've gone to Cardiff and put in what looks like a pretty poor performance. Uh, obviously, I didn't see uh, didn't see every every minute of this game by any means, but uh, it looked like Cardiff could have won by more. Yeah, it was from what I'm the same as you. From what I'd seen of the highlights and. And the extended highlights that I try to catch up on today um, to keep myself awake. It was um, it, I didn't see many chances at all for for West Ham. You know, a lot of pop shots. Um, apart, I mean, West Ham had a lot of possession, but done nothing with it. You know, Cardiff were very to the point. Um, I'm sure I've seen a stat that, that you know they had seven or eight shots on target, six or seven off, and they had. I'm sure they had five or six corner kicks as well. You know, they were very, very attack-minded with the ball. Um, West Ham just dilly-dallied about, really, and, you know, 
pretty passes at times, but going nowhere. Yeah. What did you make of um, the Hernandez dive? <laughs> it's Hernandez, isn't it? It's... He's getting himself a... a he, always, he always had a bit of a reputation, but in the last couple of weeks we've had the blatant handball go, now had a dive. Just a bit shameless, really, isn't it? It's... Without being, without trying, I don't know if it's classed as, as a rate, but it's that South American just win by any means necessary mentality. You know, we, Suarez had it, um, and a lot of South American, and like, the, the diving isn't great. Like, we're never going to eradicate diving out of the game, but you know that, if he, if he, that penalty is given and it gets West Ham back in the game, you know what I mean? It, it, it's worth it for them. Mm. Not that we condone it, but it's just that it's just really. It just seems like you know. There's just South Americans seem to have something about their teeth. They just they hate losing, sort of thing. Um, and if they can gain an advantage, and I mean it's not just South Americans, but obviously I've seen it with Suarez firsthand. And I mean, just remember the handball at the the World Cup. Yes, you know, yeah. and the, the his team end up going through on penalties just due to that. Um, and it is just whatever. I mean, you, you talk even the biting of Suarez. I mean, it's ridiculous. But if he gets a player sent off there, and Uruguay end up going through, you know he's he's the king of he's the king of Uruguay even more. <laughs> um, but well, that's, that's true. When you look at the record books, at the end of the day, it's going to say who won and lost. It probably won't. Yeah, I mean, as you say, not that we're condoning it, but you're looking at the mentality of what the players thinking at the time. Um, and he's not the first, and he certainly will never be the last to. Try a pathetic dive, um, and with this, some of the refereeing decisions that we're we're now getting. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's worth the try, isn't it? That's that's, that's the sad thing. It, it probably it probably is, and until there's stronger sanctions in place, people who get caught, I know they get a yellow card, which is you know it's neither here nor there, is it? The like Javier Hernandez probably isn't going to put a tackle in the whole match. So him being on a yellow card is irrelevant, really. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas if you con the referee. You get a too much ban. You can get a too much ban. Why not both? You know, I, I, I don't see. I don't see why you can't look at the dive afterwards and say, "Well, you've still dived. A punishment's still a too much ban." Yeah, absolutely. There, there needs to be more. I think that's, that sanctions need to come into play for for more things in football, um, including referees, which we'll come on to um, in, a, in a game further down the line. Um, well, funny enough, um, most of the games I've got coming up in my, in my list here have got some sort of controversy about them. So let's get the boring one out of the way, and then we'll move into the the, the meaty one. So uh, Huddersfield nil, Bournemouth two. Um, return Callum Wilson scored and Ryan Fraser scored. Do you have anything to say about this? Because I, I I really don't. Just uh, it's amazing the impact that one player can have. Because uh, Bournemouth looked pretty pathetic in recent weeks, um, uh. and they bring back their a superstar striker really and they, they really look threatening and like the Bournemouth of you know the start of the season um, that's about it really for it they just they did really look it was, I know it's Huddersfield as well which is always a, it's always <laughs> a bonus for the team but they really look threatening throughout the game and Callum Wilson looked really sharp yeah well, he's, he's a good striker isn't he good in and around the penalty area uh, I think I've read that Southgate was watching them again yesterday so I did wonder whether we'd miss out on the squad because of he's obviously been out injured for a little while. But uh, even if he misses this one, he's bound to be in for another one. Uh, yeah. he, he's just he is a very very good forward. Very good, and England are lacking in strikers. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about this before with with Kane, and as long as he as long as he's there, you're he's probably not going to start. So. No. so they need they need players who are willing to sit in. And, and Callum Wilson is he's at that age where it's not going to affect him too much, um, and it's always going to help him if he wants that bigger club move. You yeah. know, if he's an England international per se. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we're again we've talked about this before, but Bournemouth probably don't have a need to sell financially. So if if he's going to go, it's going to be because the striker himself wants to go. Um, there'll be no shortage of clubs who want him. I don't doubt that, but uh, he'll command quite the fee, I would imagine. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Um, and as you say, Huddersfield gone. I mean, was it now? <laughs> yeah, I think they were gone about twelve weeks ago. 16, Sixteen points adrift with twenty-four available. Um, they've won three games all season, so they need to win more games. In the, it's 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 done. <laughs> there's, there's no way they come back from this. You to the point you struggle. I mean, eight games to go. If they won six of those eight, I would still struggle to see them stay up. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, it's a fair, with, it's a fair with the point. amount of points that other teams are going to take, still. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to put that in perspective, six wins to put them on thirty-two points. <laughs> 17th currently have 30, so yeah, yeah. so yeah, no, they're 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 long gone, and it makes me wonder why they didn't just stick um, with their manager originally, um, finish out the season. If they wanted to change it at the end, I mean, nothing was going to change. Um, it's I not like he'd lost the players. I think I think he just lost the will, hadn't he? He was, I think uh, he, yeah, if maybe I want, if it was down to him, fair enough, but. Um, Maybe he got out while he could, so he could keep his reputation for getting a, a future job person. Well, that's it. I guess he wouldn't have a relegation on his CV now, but yeah. uh, I mean, we're probably splitting hairs, I think. Yeah, he's definitely got an asterisk to <laughs> not having that. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, so to another team who are pretty much gone, uh, Fulham were 3-1 losers at Leicester. Um Yuri Tielmans and Jimmy Vardy twice. Uh, Floyd Ayere had briefly equalised for Fulham with the worst goal of the weekend. I don't know if you saw that. but I didn't. I missed the goal. Uh, so basically there was like a long crossfield pass. Ben Chilwell kind of misjudged it. Uh-huh. Ayere took it, got in the box and it uh, it took a deflection but it kind of like crept down the middle of the goal and Schmeichel couldn't adjust himself in time but, it got, but like got a hand on it and it was just a scruffy goal. Um the, my main point here is that uh, Jamie Vardy looked absolutely electric. He looked as good as he has done <laughs> yep. for a long time. Uh, but again, massive asterisks against that is that it's against Fulham. So, yeah, but at least the legs looked back. I know it was against Fulham, but we had said last week um, how you know Jamie Vardy relied a lot on his legs. Um, mm. But yesterday he just looked, you know, like a like a young man sort of thing. You know, he was in behind very well. Um, and the first goal for me was especially nice to see um, from a striker, especially, yeah, especially yeah. a striker on a 100th goal, which <laughs> I didn't realise at the time. But that's ludicrous. I mean, it, it's paid off, obviously, in the end, the way it's worked. But you would never have thought that. Definitely not, but um, it's uh, it obviously worked, got them the goal. And uh, I tell you what, Yuri Tillman's with the right management uh, he could be one of the bargains of the, of the window, really. When you when you look back at it, um, it's kind of a shame that Leicester aren't really playing for much. They, they, I suppose they're kind of in the hunt for this this seventh spot. But uh, you know, with with uh, the new manager bounce of, of Rogers potentially, 
there's no reason they couldn't climb the table. They've got a reasonable run of fixtures. Yeah, it's a, and like for t- on the Tillman subject, I mean, like as much as I hate Rogers, you know, he he's good at working with you know as a coach. Um, I'll never praise him as a manager, as the manager side of things, but he's a very good coach. Um, we've seen how far Sterling come along, mm. um, and, and and playing always helped. You know, it was always a bonus. But yeah, and he's, Rogers will have play, Leicester playing the right way. You might not bring along defenders. You know, highly um, <laughs> the defenders uh. may not improve that well, but. You know they'll be an, they'll be an entertaining watch regardless, and I think yesterday was just a, a start of things to come. Well, we'll see. I mean, they've got, they've got Burnley away next weekend, uh, which is probably a bigger game for Burnley than it is for Leicester. But same time, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of futures to be played for in that Leicester squad, as we spoke about before. So, um, you know, it's not as if it's a dead game for them. Uh, there's a lot of players there who have a point to prove. Um, and as well as Vardy looking back was best, I thought James Madison had his best game for a long time yesterday as well. Yeah, very. He looked hungry, didn't he, Madison? Looked really involved. Yeah, I think he's a player who who Rodgers will really like. You know, just one of those. He was kind of a player he was missing at Celtic a lot um, in recent the last couple of seasons, as well as he's done with the team. Um, that they just missed that. You know, that creative link. Somebody who who had a bit of magic, sort of thing. Um, Yes, and as you said about players playing for the future, with the amount of um, players Rogers has been linked with, you know, <laughs> I mean, it always happens. But I mean, he's coming out in the media and talking about set players now. Um, so yeah, I think whether it be that's just to get the players motivated, um, or he has got a, a shopping list upcoming, um, it'll be an, it'll be an interesting summer for Leicester. It will. I'm looking forward to seeing how, how it unfolds. Um, I've just seen that Fulham goal, sorry. I just um, oh, yes. I managed to pick up the video. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, it may be the yeah. worst goal of the season. That is atrocious. So, I mean, Cardiff have scored some uh, some stingers, but that one was uh, that was pretty bad. Yeah, no, no, definitely. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about Jordan Pickford, shall we? Uh, so uh, Newcastle came from 2-0 down to beat Everton 3-2 um, let's start with this so Everton took the lead through Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, Jordan Pickford gave away a penalty which he then saved um, more on that in a minute um, Richarlison made it 2-0 about a minute later and then in the second half uh, Rondon and then two of my Jose Perez turned the game on its head um, Ali if you put your referee's head on for a minute uh, Pickford's, I don't want to say challenge, but Pickford's rugby tackle on Salomon Rondon. Uh, it's a it's a red it's a red card, yes. As far as I'm aware, yes. Now I, I've tried to find out. I don't have the updated like my books pre that that double jeopardy rule, but I, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't count for goalkeepers. Well, the sticking point is that the double jeopardy rule was abolished as long as there's an attempt to play the ball. Yeah. Uh, and there wasn't an attempt to no, play the ball. the ball was nowhere near him. Exactly. And um, the, the fact that he, he didn't even get booked is incredible. Like, that, well, that's, like, the referee could defend himself right, if he had cautioned him. You know, if he'd given him the yellow. He could make an argument. It, yeah. He'd still be wrong, but at least he's acknowledging at least, the foul, he's... 
at least you acknowledge that it's a, it's a blatant stop of an attack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's many a decision, you know, like that, where it be yellow or red and arguments over it. That's fine. There's a debate to have, but to not give anything is just, and it, this is, I, I got infuriated yesterday over this, over why, the, again, like I said last week, why there's no sanctions for referees. That, it's not going to, you're too high up, but with the penalty being missed, and then you're conceding straight away, the goalkeeper saving the penalty, still being on the park, that could cost you relegation. Mm-hmm. Could it which well. cost you millions. I mean, user, we, we are not safe yet, obviously, but, I mean, see that happen to Burnley in the point situation they're in just now, or, or Cardiff yesterday, and whilst we want them to go down, but that's costing a club millions of pounds. What's the referee sanction for that? Now, I know we can't blame the referee. You can't get relegated on one decision. But decisions like that shouldn't be happening at this level. 100% no. I mean, and that's, that's the laws of the game being applied. We're not. It's not like it's subjective. Like it, it's How we could look at that, and even the line, the linesman who was on that side of the pitch as well, what between them? Surely someone can come to the decision that he obviously hasn't tried to play the ball because it's five yards behind him. And he's just blatantly stopping Rondon getting to the ball. Uh, And as as soon as the red card wasn't given, I think everybody knew what was going to happen next. Yeah, 100%. I called it, um, I was sitting with my friend, and I called that straight away. He's he's saving the penalty. And I even said, I bet you Everton score within five minutes. It was (laughs) a bit quicker than that. Yeah, well, this was it. It was just utter carnage at this point because uh, the ref's obviously getting pelters for not sending them off. Um, in the lead up to the second goal, there's a head injury which he doesn't stop the player for. Now I'm not, I'm not as upset on this because I'm not even sure it was a head injury, but we had a, lie, a guy lying down injured. Uh, I think it was Hayden. Um, the ref stopped the play. Uh, that's more unfortunate than you know bad judgment. He probably could see whether it was a head injury or not. It was quite close to it, um, but generally, you know, it shouldn't be up to him. Like if if, if he should really stop the game for me, but the problem is there's too many players who, who try to con referees by holding their head, knowing fine well that there's a counter attack on. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how much the referee's seen of that. I mean, if he's not believing, if he's seen the contact and seen that there's been no head contact at all. Um, but again, you're right, it's one of those, especially with the CTE stuff coming around. Um, and a lot of other sports is it really in the ref's best interest to ignore something well, like he's, that. But he's got he's got he's got to be pretty certain that it's not a head a head injury to ignore it. Like, yeah. and I don't know how he could possibly say that. That's it's just it, his... yeah. it's one of those. I mean, it's because they're in such an attacking threat as well. I mean, if he's not hundred percent, what do you do either way? Um, as you say, there's so much play acting going on. The, the, yeah, it's, it's, that one's a hard one. As you say, I mean, if you're not too upset about it, it's just one of those things. Um, and there was more than enough chances to clear the, you know. Well, the I mean, fundam- the, the frustration comes again. We all we go back to that penalty decision and the, and the no card. I mean, regardless of it being the red, and that's the that's the sticking point I want to get to everybody. The referee hasn't even given a card at all. Yeah. Um, which for me, I mean, not at the time for yourself, but it's turned out a great decision. 
Well, this is it, because he was absolutely abysmal from there on out. Uh, I mean, obviously, huge mistake in the first place, dropping a fairly straightforward cross. Mm-hmm. Um, they made this point on match of the day that he obviously was too wrapped up in the whole Sunderland Newcastle thing. Um, he was getting booed from the start, not unusual for an excellent player at St. James's. Um, but he seemed to take it on himself to try and wind the crowd up at every opportunity. Um, so There's the one where the, straight after half-time, ball over the top, Pickford's a bit slow off his line, Rondon sticks a foot out, it trickles wide and Pickford runs back towards the home fans with his tongue sticking out. Again, it's kids play, isn't it? But the kind of thing that really riles people up. Um, and for some reason, he started taking forever over every goal kick he took. And I don't think it was planned because no one else was taking ages over throw-ins or anything. It was just purely him, like moving the ball from one side of the box to the other, this kind of nonsense. And this was on about 50, 55 minutes, which it's a long time to be time-wasting at 2-0 up. Uh, and f- for him, his afternoon got worse from there on in because he, he spilled Almiron's shot and uh, Perez put the equaliser in, which he actually should have saved. Um, at first, I actually thought he should have saved Rondon's shot for the first goal, but it Slight deflection, so we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt nope, on that one. No, nope, he should save it. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, he's meant to be one of the best goalkeepers in England, one of the best England have. Um, a, a goalkeeper with normal size arms. <laughs> little T Rex there. Um, uh, well, it did it did go right through him. And yeah, and yeah you know, slight deflection or not, he should be getting on him. And I say, the right hash of, uh, of Perez's equaliser. Twice really, um, once on not getting a shot, parried somewhere safe, and secondly for letting the other one, there's the, the rebound would go right through him again. Um, he kind of he had nothing really wrong in the third goal. Several Newcastle players were offside, but that's that's karma, unfortunately. Forever. Uh, now I seen this goal. What was there an, actually an offside in the play? So Hayden hooks it back in at the corner that gets cleared out and then Hayden hooks it back in and there's a lot of players coming out and there's a lot of players kind of still in um, and I think Rondon who ends up playing the ball is maybe a knee offside he's he's come back towards the ball as the defender's going back in kind of yeah. kind of crossover um, he is off I think I haven't seen a couple of t- uh, I don't care I think well, of you, course you don't <laughs> I think we deserve the, a bit of luck after uh, the early incident yeah, no, I was I was delighted. I mean, I'm always delighted when a Rafa team wins. Um, and but, the, the the brass neck on Silver to complain at full time about that decision oh. is uh, ridiculous, really. Like, uh, surely you must just look look at that and go, well, we've got away with not playing with ten men for an hour <laughs> for the sake of a half a yard offside. But anyway, yeah, it's just delightful. Um, that, that's just started off my weekend. Um, have you seen the, the video of Pickford even walking off at full time? Yeah. Um, Very it's just strange, a, isn't it? He's just a strange man. Um, if you if you fancy a laugh, uh, go to Ever- an Everton forum, I think it's a grand old team, uh, and just read their thread about Pickford because they've all turned on him. They all hate him. Oh, yeah. Uh, they all think uh, he's... Um, just a silly, a silly little boy who'll never grow up, basically, which is very true. Like fundamentally, he's, he is, like or not, England's number one at the moment, and he's, he's acting, getting wound up by playing against a former rival, and then basically throwing in two, possibly three goals. Um, 
and just acting the prick for the sake of it. And it's really egg on the face time for him. Um, it's pretty pathetic. And I think one of the fans raised the point of like, is he actually on something? Because why would you be that ridiculous as a, as a grown man? Yeah, just as you say, yeah, it's just it's, doing those like facial expressions and stupid things are fine when you're tuning up in the last minute. Yeah, um, but you'd, it, it was like I mean I mentioned it weeks ago when he when he when Allison made the slip up in week two or three um, against Brighton, I believe it was. You know when he tried to turn the the forward and oh, yes, uh, yeah. cutting the ball back, and he's like, "Oh, we'd never make a mistake like that." And then he makes like four goal goal scoring errors um, in like the next six games or something. Um, there's, there's there's times that you just need to shut up, you know. Especially like, a goalkeeper isn't. It's the most, you know, it's the worst position in the park to be in because, you know, you could have 55 one-on-one point-blank saves and then in the last minute at nil-nil, drop the ball in um, and then you're the villain. You know, it's it's just an unforgiving position. So it's just one of those that you never really want to start slagging off another rival goalkeeper or that when they make a mistake because you just never know what's around the corner. Um, no, that's, and that's unfo- true. Unfortunately for him, um, it's happened most weeks this season. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's not an isolated incident, is it? I mean, he obviously had a lot of them in this game, but uh, he hasn't really been the same since the Merseyside derby, the first Merseyside derby, should I say? Um, he wasn't brilliant before that, admittedly. But uh, yeah, this was uh, the lowest of the low for him. I think he uh, didn't have a lot to shout about after this one. Yeah, no, I've um, seen it with a, just a little smile. <laughs> Uh, from a, a league tail point of view, I mean, as it turned out, with with Brighton winning, with Cardiff winning, um, with Southampton, who will come on to in a minute, winning, it's a bloody good job. Pickford's terrible, or else we'd be uh, <laughs> we, we, we'd be right in that relegation scrap. Yeah. But as it as it is, um, got away with one and uh, six, six points ahead. Uh, uh, we it's a really hard game to analyse actually because uh, of the amount of incident there was. It was a bit chaotic, and you couldn't really say anyone played well or poorly it was just one of those days where the results all that matters yeah it was a very unrafa like performance it was yeah <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's, that's probably the best way to put it it's it was, not a um, rafa game you know it's not rafa games are very controlled very measured um, and there was none of that in this game no um with them scoring so early i suppose doesn't doesn't help um but I mean, as you say, you've got away with one in the end, um, the way it's worked out. Um, and as you said, just with the results going, it's it's vital. Um, it really is. And, um, you know, we're off to Bournemouth next week. And if we can win that, we'll be ahead of Bournemouth. We'll be 12th. Um, I think that'll be us done. I think 30, 34 now, obviously 40 is the magic number. But it's going to be, it might be quite a high point to stay up this year. Um because there's like two terrible teams, I think a lot of teams have, have been able to pick up uh, points. Yeah, the uh, rest of, are kind of sitting about the same, aren't they? Yeah, but um, we'll see. We're uh, we're nearly there, thankfully. Um, from Evans' point of view, I was very impressed with uh, with Dini, the left back. He um, he looks every bit like a, a former Barcelona player. Yeah. Um, obviously not good enough for, for Barcelona, but more than good enough for Evan. And uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, took us took us took us goal well. Works very hard. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in an England squad 
in, the, in this year at some point. Uh, I think he's the way Southgate picks his squads, it's players who've come through sort of the lower youth levels um, and they're sort of then in, in the club, if you like. Uh, and obviously he, he ticks a lot of those boxes, so we'll see. Yeah, he was, he was very good in the, the Merseyside derby last week as well, um, until he went off. Yeah, he, um, he, he just does a bit of, he does everything quite well. I wouldn't say he was brilliant at anything, but he, he you know, he brings a lot to a team. Um, and he's obviously still very, very young, so, uh, good on them for, for starting him as a, as a centre forward as well, but rather than shoving him out on the wing. Uh, the last three o'clock game of Saturday was Southampton two, Tottenham one. Uh, Spurs took the lead through Harry Kane. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but Southampton came back in the second half with Jan Valerie scoring again, uh, and then another James Ward Prowse free kick. Um, I mean, this looked ridiculous, really, and that Spurs seemed to have all the chances for an hour, uh, and then Southampton made a couple of changes, and Tottenham do what Tottenham do and go go missing for half an hour. Um, what's your take on this one? I'm sitting here with the biggest smile on my face ever. Um, Spurs <laughs> lost. It was excellent. Um, they just... I, I'm worrying about Poch's mentality. As great a coach as he is, but he, Spurs have had quite a few injuries this season. But the minute they're back training and back fit, like they're immediately starting games. And that's... It's a, obviously, it's a sign of the squad that they have. Yeah. Um, but it can't be good for these players long term. Um, I mean, um, how many times has Kane went down injured now? Um, and say the last season and a bit because of this, you know, they're immediately rushing him back. I mean, his last injury, he he, he was back playing before he was due to be back training. Um, and it's just, it can't be good. Um well, it doesn't seem to be doing any harm. And what's that? Three and four since he came back. Um, but what I would say is that he has about twenty shots a game. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it seemed like every highlight was just Harry Kane shooting from an angle. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a point I made when I had my, my Harry Kane rant. Um, Kane's a goal scorer, and he's going to get he's twenty goals a season. You know, he is one of those. But but he genuinely, as you say, he's genuinely hitting. You know. 10 to 15 shots a game comfortably um, and it, it, it seemed to get more and more from like midway through last season you know um, when he was trying to be more than just that striker you know he was he was dropping deep and getting the ball but then and that's when the 20-25 yard shots started coming in <laughs> um, as well as the ones inside the box um, and it's 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 definitely a detriment to Spurs as well, who who play nice football. You know they've got good players and and Eriksson and Ali's an incredible player and Lucas Moura since he started you know getting regular games at the start of the season, um, looked formidable. You know in the two as well when when he was playing with Kane, um, I just feel that Harry Kane's selfishness is definitely a detriment to the club, like. On overall performances, he he'll get the goals and he his stats will be padded. Hi, great, but <laughs> you know overall, I mean, what are Spurs aiming for? They went from title challengers to struggling to stay in the top four now. It is quite ironic, really, that the uh, the results have suffered since he came back. Reasons uh, are not obviously up for debate, but uh, yeah, they've they've gone from here come Spurs on the on the outside trying to get. In, uh, 
in the top two to now they've got a real scrap on their hands to finish in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say you've got there's there's two different Spurs. There's there's Spurs for whoever, then there's Harry Kane's Spurs, and it's even spoke about in the media like that. You know, when Kane's playing, it's about Kane and the team. But when Kane's out injured or he's not playing, it's about the team. You know, it's all about the team spirit. And Spurs are so good because you know Pochettino's got them coached so well and they're a unit. But every time anybody talks about them when Kane's playing and Kane's scoring, it's it's Harry Kane and Spurs. You know, Harry Kane Spurs. <laughs> and you don't hear that about many other teams. You know, I'd say Chelsea are maybe like that with Hazard as well. But I couldn't... Hazard basically plays very regularly, so you don't know what it's like without. But, you know, when Hazard's, like, on form, it is... It genuinely is Hazard's Chelsea. No, I think that's, that's a good comparison, really. Um, but Kane's, Kane's injuries, as you say, he gets at least one a season where it's an ankle and it's it's meant to be three months and he's inevitably back within six weeks. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, I could be completely wrong. I mean, they, they, they have many sports scientists now in football and Kane might be just one of those freaks who doesn't, you know, who recovers quicker, works harder than everybody else in the gym and training to get back. But I do wonder at the detriment of what, you know, for for his own body as well. He never comes off early either, does he? He plays 90 minutes of every match, whether Spurs are, you know, 1-0 up or 6-0 well, up. Well, look he at just... that FA Cup game. Like, they brought Harry Kane on at, like, 7-0. <laughs> like, surely that's... In a, in a season where everybody's talking about Harry Kane needing to rest and lack of squad options, surely when... You know, you've won a game. That's a game that Harry Kane doesn't come on in. I mean, you're asking on one roll of the ankle, or uh, mm. you're, you're seven 0 down against Spurs, and you see the golden boy Harry Kane coming on, and you're a bit pissed off. You know, takes one, <laughs> one, one Roy Keane like tackle. Um, well, especially against a League Two club, like yeah. League, two, League, League Two's full of thugs, basically. And like obviously. There are a lot of good footballers down there, but every team will have at least one thug. Like it's just like the, it's like the rule of League Two, isn't it? Like, well, I mean, that say a player like Steve Smith say um, takes out Harry Kane, he becomes famous with all his pals. You know, always be remembered as the man. Whether that's good or not, you know, he's he's left with he's he's leaving a mark there, and you know, he'll have that moment, kind of like the the Dave Dave Whelan. Remember when he broke his leg? <laughs> <laughs> you know he's always got that story to tell yeah. um, and you, I mean those stories shouldn't happen but they, they certainly are definitely going to happen somewhere around no there's definitely a risk of that but uh, Spurs uh, don't play next weekend because of um, they're supposed to play Crystal Palace but Palace are in the FA Cup and Spurs are not um, there's not many games next week there's, there's five, I think, yeah. um, plus the the four cup ties. So there's, there are some teams who uh, who won't actually play now until uh, after the international break, I think, because there's. Oh great! I know. <laughs> so Harry Kane will be nice and rested after he's played for England for 180 minutes of which, whichever whichever two games they've got. <laughs> Andorra and Moldova or something. <laughs> um, Jay Prowse is free kick though. Oh, he's uh, obviously we talked about him last week being a bit Beckham-esque. This was uh, pretty much as Beckham as it gets, wasn't it? It was uh, had that been against Greece, it would have been almost an exact replica. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was very similar <laughs> position, um, a bit more pace than Ward Prowse. You know, he got a lot of whip into that. 
Yeah, I mean, um, very nice, very nice free kick. And as you that, say, it's just he's, he's kind of born in that wrong era. You know, ten yeah. years ago, he, he 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 wouldn't be playing for Southampton. It's just uh, well, it's what to do with him, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. it's, it's difficult to find a position that's going to get the best out of him. But it's, it's almost worth having him on the pitch just to take a set piece. Like, like I said last week, if he can. Uh, can get the delivery. It's not like he's a terrible footballer either, by the way. It's just they've probably got other options in, you know, centre midfield or or um, as a as a, a wide forward. But uh, his set pieces are going to be worth ten goals a season alone, at least. Yeah, and, and just uh, yeah, regardless of it being an assist, just as you say, whether it be a corner or a free kick and coming to knockdowns or that. So he might it might not look great on his stats, um, but if you're watching him, you're seeing the influence he's having. He's, uh, I imagine he'll be in uh, the England squad as well when it's announced tomorrow, I think it is, or later this week anyway, but uh, he'll be on the radar, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it'll all depend on what big club have influence over their players as well. Um, you know, whether they want to ask for certain players not to be picked. And... Well, I think they're, um, the European qualifier is coming up, so I don't think it's... Uh... I don't think clubs get much of a say when it's a, a competitive game. I know obviously friendlies they can say, well, I'd rather you didn't, but uh, I'm not sure how much say they get when it's a, a competitive fixture. I think, I don't know, I, I still think a lot of the big clubs will have a bit of input whether they only play X amount of minutes or well, know, just try and... Because England are going to qualify, I don't even know who the fixtures are against, to be fair, um, as we're making this judgement, but... <laughs> um, yeah, you just feel that certain players might get a bit of protection, especially if you know England are three or four nil up. You know, and well, you can rest them, and especially those still involved in the Champions League as well. It's, That's uh, it. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, England are playing against the Czech Republic on Friday, the twenty second of March, and then Montenegro away on Monday, the twenty fifth of March. They're not easy games. So they're not like other. I mean. No. I'd expect us to to win both, in, in honesty, like. But it's uh, not the type of game you could you could rest your entire team for. Uh, but we will see. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, anyway, speaking of England, um, England's favourite Raheem Sterling uh, scored a hat trick as Man City beat Watford three uh, one. Gerard Delafeu got Watford's consolation. Uh, Sterling's first goal. Is this the worst decision of the weekend? I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I will go and look just now, though. So you talk well, about that. Uh, uh, fair enough. Well, the gist is um, there was a ball played through to Aguero, who was onside. Mm-hmm. He kind of flicked it on a little bit to Sterling, who was offside. Um, as the ball was about to land at Sterling's foot, Doral Janmat slid in, tackled the ball off Sterling, and it went in the corner. Sterling was kind of like mid shooting at the time, so he, he, he pulled his right foot back to shoot. Yamat slid in, hit off Sterling's standing foot, went in the corner. Total freak goal. Uh, the linesman puts his flag up and says, that's offside, because Sterling was offside when he went to play the ball. Um, the referee decided, in his infinite wisdom, that because Yamat had played the ball onto Sterling, that meant he wasn't offside. Because oh. he... Now, I mean, this is a headache, because... To me, the refs try to be too clever here because he's gone. Oh well, you know the the ball's been played on the striker, so he therefore wasn't active and all this kind of bollocks. Sterling is pretty much on top of the ball when the, when he gets tackled off him. He's definitely interfering with play. 
if he's not there, Yamaha doesn't tackle the ball often. Um, the fact that Sterling's even got as far as pulling his foot back to shoot suggests to me that he's interfering with play. Yeah, I mean, the fact, the, the best line you've said there to me is the defender doesn't make the tackle if he's not interfering with play. Uh, I've yeah. just seen the goal there, but I've not seen, uh, give me two seconds. It's literally just, I've seen the first initial, so I'm waiting on just the replay. But yeah, I mean, the fact, as you say, you've, you, you've highlighted it perfect by saying, you know, he's, the defenders had to make the challenge. And, and you're seeing he's in mid swings type thing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, a, it's not like it's a clearance that's hit off him. Like, he's literally had to tackle him to stop him scoring. Uh, it's just, Utterly ludicrous because uh, I think it was Darren Fletcher did the comment for BT and he said, well, you know, if this had gone to VAR, it would have been chalked off. And the really sickening thing is, if that idiot referee was sat in the VAR studio, it wouldn't have been chalked off, it would have been given. The, the problem, and now this is, now I want VAR, I'm all for it. Yeah. But it's still the same referees that are making the decisions. Exactly. It's, and not, that's what... it's not a panel. The, all VAR, the panel of VAR, are telling the referee, I think you might want to look at this again. The referee's still got to make this, this, the decision. Um, so it all depends on whether he feels, um, you know, he's made the right decision. And you, you just, you do wonder how many referees are going to go against their own decision. Well, this is, the, this is I mean, I thought this really, really hard to swallow. If I was a Watford fan, I'd be absolutely fuming. Yeah, because... like, I've, I've just watched it four or five times there. Um, and it's got to be given his offside. His foot's mid swing. I understand, like a lot of a lot of referees will say it's not interfering until the player touches the ball. That that's okay when you're 30, 40 yards from goal. You know they're not going to go for offside until yeah. But the fact that defenders had to slide in and make a challenge there because. He's well, doing what he should do. I mean, well, exactly. I mean, it's it's just mad, you, isn't it? Can you imagine if he doesn't tackle him there, um, and Sterling shoots and scores, and then the referee doesn't give the offside? Well, this mean, is it. Like the line is standing with his flag up because mm. it's offside, and that's that should be where it ends to to me. I mean, yeah, no, he's, they've definitely got that wrong. But what I will say is Sterling is frighteningly good. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, um, he scored that goal ten times, but it's the fact he's in there um, is, is good enough in, in itself. And then the third goal is becoming another trademark here, where he picks it up, cuts inside, and defenders are terrified to try and tackle him. Um, and obviously, he scores once he's in the box. Um, a very, very strange hat trick in many ways, but. Uh, Watford had more than done enough the first half. The, the restricted Man City to very little, really. Um, and then, obviously, they get that bad decision to go against them. And then a minute later, I think it was, it goes 2-0. Um, and that's how quickly a game can change. Yeah, it's those fine margins. It's again, going back to the Newcastle game. Um, it's, it really is just one decision can flip a game in its head. And that decision, I mean... I'll take the bitterness pill as well for for a Liverpool point of view. You know that one decision could be a massive outcome on the, the end of the season for us. Through it all, um, you know, if that goal doesn't go in and Watford managed to hold out or even nick a goal themselves, 
you know, that table's looking a lot different. Well, uh, that's exactly. Tonight, um, yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to the refereeing decision. I mean, at least he would have an answer for this one. I mean, we can see, as you say, he's trying to be too clever, but you can't be clever with the rules. It's written there in, in black and white. And this is where maybe we need maybe more clearer rules, especially when it comes to handballs as well, um, which I'd like to touch on later on once we finish the games. Um, I know the guys on Friday did, but I want your opinion on it. So, Sure, yeah. But, well, um, uh... but yeah, that's the first time I'd seen that one. And um, no, it's, it's definitely offside for me. And it's a shame for Watford. It's just a good job. In a way, not that it should matter, but that Watford aren't in any any danger. You know, they're sitting where they are. No, and I mean, Pep made a fair point after the game where the, the interviewer asked him the bit of need, and he's like, "No, we weren't lucky. Um, that we would have won the game anyway," which is probably right. Like on the balance of play, obviously Watford came with ten men behind the ball. Um, whether they would have held out for ninety minutes or not is debatable, and obviously City scored two perfectly fine goals anyway. Um, so you know, you couldn't say that uh, it changed the course of the. Game, but I think it's really sped up the process. It was a very strange team selection from Watford. I obviously got an eye on the FA Cup next yes. weekend, which um, kind of respect to be honest, because I said this no, earlier in the season no. where I, <laughs> I know you don't, but, <laughs> but if, I, if that was being Newcastle and we were in Watford's exact league position with an FA Cup quarter final next weekend. Play the seven for our care. We're not good against enough Man City, but Palace will play a good quarter. That's why Save. I love Rafa. He wouldn't do that to us. No, well, obviously, I'm back to play there, but uh, all things being equal, that's what I'd be, I'd yeah. be doing. Uh, yeah, um, no, it's not, I think we had the conversation last week about it. Um, yeah, we're talking about Wolves, weren't we? Um, You've got to respect the decision. And I just, what I do hope for it out of all is I hope it pays off for them. Yes. You know, yeah. I don't want to then see them go out, sort of thing. Um, it, it's got to make it worthwhile for themselves, because then it just looks a bit poor and weak if they then go out in the FA Cup and drop three points at the weekend. Um, whereas you guys obviously got your three points at City at the time. Yeah. About it. Um, yeah, I'm happy to hold my hand I was wrong on that one. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, hopefully it pays off for them. It's it's one of those. I mean, you wouldn't, you would never ever like to be a manager in those situations, would you? Really, um, it's it's one of those. It's when you take the loss, you you're under a lot of pressure to get that win. I suppose that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? it puts a lot of pressure on uh, on Watford now to get a result against uh, against Palace because yeah. they've changed they've changed the entire team, but. As I said earlier in the season, Watford have got 22 players and they're all much of a muchness in a, in a good way. You know, they've, they've got probably 20 to 25 very solid players and if you swap one in for another, there's not an awful lot between them, really. Yeah, there shouldn't be too much difference. Yeah, no, no, I 100%. And that's why teams have... I mean, we're talking about them resting players, but that's, surely that's the reason we have squads of 23, 25-man well, squads, whatever they are. Um, exactly, exactly. They should all be of similar quality. Um, really, I mean, look, City could rest a full team and probably still go on and beat most teams in the league um, by changing yeah. a full 11. So, yeah, and in many ways that's the difference between the teams at the top and the bottom because, you know, take 
Newcastle Palace, Brighton, probably Southampton, if you rest even six or seven first-teamers, the ones coming in aren't going to be uh, anywhere near as good, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, well, I, I, even taking it, I mean, you, you, you mentioned the lower teams as well, Dave, but I notice it as a Liverpool fan, you know, when we make certain changes. Um, I mean, we're going from Bobby Firmino to, to Divock Origi at times. Um, <laughs> whilst Origi's obviously made a bit of a cult hero of himself with the, with the Everton goal. You know, that's a big drop-off uh, yeah. in players and, and style of play as well. So, it's, yeah, it's one of those... Um, as I say, I just hope he's made the right decision... Um, for the club, you know, give the give the team something to celebrate. I, I kind of like Watford in a way. Um, I like a, like a few of their players. They seem to play nice football. And Dini always comes across as a as a fun guy. He does, um, yeah. And I've got a bit of respect for that. So fair enough. Um, well, you mentioned Liverpool there. Um, they won four two against Burnley today. Uh, two for Mane, two for Firmino. Um, after Burnley had taken a one 0 lead through Westwood with a corner that went straight in. Um, Blatant foul on the goalkeeper, by the way. Uh, and uh, Goodmanson pulled one back in between times later on. Um, obviously, I'll let you cut loose on this in a second. Um, did you think it was a foul on Allison for the first goal? Uh, right, two parts to this. Yes, it was a foul, but Allison should do better. Probably fair, yeah. Um, I think. I had a big fallout in our WhatsApp group, our Liverpool WhatsApp group. I've literally muted it all day. Um, I've got like 500 messages sitting there and I refuse to answer it just because they've got their Liverpool blinders on that you know certain players can't get any criticism um, and it really frustrates me I, I just feel if Karius Mignolet um, I'm trying to think who like a, a Dudek type goalkeeper mm. had made that same mistake then he'd be getting slated and Again, I, I will reiterate, it was a foul. But he's very soft and it threw it all. Um, and it's just one of those ones. It's terrible defending. But Well, it's the, it's the bigger picture, isn't it? The score direct from a corner, which... Uh, that win no, again. Klopp was right last week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, that's one thing. Though. This match had every element going. I think uh, oh. <laughs> it was... Uh, Strange old day at, uh, at Anfield for, for weather, but uh, Klopp can't complain about this time because he, he won. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the strange thing for me here is that Mo Salah was involved in three of the four goals, uh, and he got out of jail twice for me, um, just by good fortune, in that he was tackled pretty much when he should have shot and he just took forever um, across the deflected in the path of Firmino. Uh, he got tackled for Mane's first goal when, again, probably should have got a shot away sooner. Uh, it's just he seems just it's, he's just a second behind everybody else at the moment. Yeah, I thought uh, Salah was terrible today. Um, not terrible. His play wasn't terrible, but I think we just Liverpool fans, especially. I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but we, we, we're kind of holding Salah to a high standard now. Mm. You know, he gave us such a an entertaining season last, even for the. You know the the neutral fans. It was just you know when you get that type of player coming into the league, and he's setting the world like. But as we've mentioned before, Dave, and, and you've said it a lot, that he's, he's never been clinical. But it's like he's forgotten. Like his decision making is atrocious right now. Um, 
and that's where it's coming from. Like people, Liverpool fans today are talking about, oh, but he was involved in three of the goals. But you're right, like he was bailed out in all of them. Like it was, if it wasn't for Firmino's, you know, quick thinking and anticipation. I mean, how many strikers make that run when your star player is through and goal like that? Like none. I mean, even then, he probably should have passed him Manny. <laughs> you know, if he's not going to shoot. And and that's where I feel he's he's lacking in confidence at the moment, um, because that should have been shot, and it was again very similar to the Everton chance last week, where he dittered. Um, yeah, he's, he's desperate for a goal, isn't he? He needs. Yeah, he can. He, he needs to just goal. hit off his arse type one. You <laughs> know, just uh, like the, the Sterling goal today is kind of what Salah needs. You know, just that, somebody to tackle the ball onto him and get that ball well, back. I suppose the fixture equivalent of the ball in off your arse is playing Fulham away, which Liverpool will do next week. I mean, that's you're going to get chances to score in that game, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully that's enough to bring them back to the the most Salah of old. Um, but I'm struggling to have confidence in it, just like because his stats say he's not much worse off than last season, but that his gameplay. I, I don't recall the last time he had a really good game, and that's a concern. Mm. No, that's the thing. I think uh, this time last year he was really coming into his own and pretty much winning games single-handedly. Um, whereas, if anything, he looks uh, leggy and, uh, as you say, lacking confidence, which is not what you want at the business end of the season. But very, uh, very esque as well when we talk about maybe coming back from injury too early for the World Cup and a lot of games played. Who knows? Well, I think there's a lot of players ready for a long lie down, haven't played <laughs> yes. all, all last season, gone to the World Cup, had a couple of days off and then come straight back in for this season, completed on three, four fronts. Um, you know, bring on July, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, a, as you say, a, a lot will be looking forward to it this summer. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any uh, <sighs> other, uh, any main observations on this before we move on? Um, know, obviously it's your, your team, so by all means. Yeah, I mean, Manny's single-handedly saving our season, um, keeping us going. Um, I actually, th- sorry to put it, I think he's, uh, he's such a poor player. Like, very. He's an he athlete, ma- he, not a footballer. He, he makes some awful decisions yeah. on the ball, but he's just right place, right time, and is actually a very good finisher, which is uh, in, in his favour at times. I know he missed one from under the crossbar today, <laughs> yes. but uh, which he took off Robertson's toes. I don't know. Uh, surely, Robertson was coming onto it, and you think, well, that's a tap in. But uh, anyway, never mind. He, he just uh, he makes up so much ground, and then makes like the wrong decision. But uh, anyway, yeah, decision making. I, I I called it on the, the Friday show when I was on with Chris. He's, he's very much like an athlete, more than a footballer. Yeah. You know, he's a good footballer and a great athlete. Um, because he's a, he's a proper specimen of a of a match. You know, he's really fast, he's strong. Yeah. Um, but on the ball, he, sometimes he just looks like League One standard. <laughs> um, and then times he can look like Messi. You know, he can dribble through players and his finishing's impeccable. And uh, what we'll say, he's positioning it in the box is very clever. Yes. Um, and I liked it. I think it was a couple of weeks ago we played him as the nine. You know, just something different. And it seemed to work, you know, he became a nuisance for defenders. Um, but, you know, it was good for me to got a couple of goals. You know, Salah did look lively at times, just still, as we mentioned, the decision-making's poor. Um, I thought, <laughs> after all the abuse 
um, that he got on social media and the meltdown, including myself, all had. But Lalana had a good game. Um, he, he got man the match, I think, from uh, from Steve McManaman. Yeah, he but, wasn't uh, man the match. No, definitely not. Fabinho no, I, I, for me. Um, now, Fabinho obviously is, is block, which led to the second goal, first goal, one of the goals where he charged down a clearance and felt uh, must have fallen to Salah, who then got tackled for Mane to curl it in. Yes. Um, obviously, that was an incredible bit of play. Um, what annoys me about watching Fabinho is that he gets he, he comes deep to get the ball off off your centre halves, but he just passes it five ten yards. I don't, uh, it's a bit like. Bit like Jorginho for that, or he, yeah. He, I think it's an instruction from that because you see Van Dyke getting really irritated by it. He's yeah, the more the game goes on, um, and that's when, like last week, especially, he started playing silly long balls, and mm. it takes Matip to then run thirty yards with the ball. Um, but the difference having him in at the the six for us, you know, in that deep line midfield role, has been impeccable. Oh yeah, what we've yeah. Had, but... um, Oh, the pros far outweigh the cons. Like, yeah, and, uh, my, my biggest concern is what Naby Keita's done to Klopp. Because um, <laughs> he still can't get a start. Um, oh, he, he got on today, didn't he? That's yes, yeah. I'm sure he did. Um, no, he, I think he came on for uh, Wijnaldum towards the end. Maybe. That's it, uh, yeah. I mean, it looked like he was struggling a bit in the first half as well, Wijnaldum. Um, it looked like they, they had Henderson ready for a while, a long a while to come on, didn't they? And yeah. then they decided to stick it out, but... Uh, yeah, it was um, a good win in difficult circumstances. I think uh, going behind in any in any Premier League games, especially at Burnley, you know that. Well, they're just the worst team to watch because, as I said last, when we played them, the ball is out of play for ninety percent of the match. They win a throw in, they win another throw in, yeah. they win a third throw in. It gets cleared, the foul here, throw in. Oh God, it's awful to watch. They genuinely <laughs> started time wasting after their goal today. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those games. It's, it's it's one of those where the three points matter more than the performance. Whilst the performance was good. Well, I think but, at this sta- at this stage you'll take three points every week if you can get yeah, them. Yeah, well, we need another eight to to to, to stand a chance because I'm not convinced Man City dropped many points, um, if any. To be fair, between now uh, and the end of the season. Uh, uh, well, I'll stand by what I said last week. But I, I don't think Man City will win every remaining game. I I just can't see them winning. 15 league games in a row which is what it would amount to yeah. if they did it um, that said I still think they'll win the league but yeah, me, me too unfortunately um, I yeah. think we've had our chance to, to capitalise We they had their stumble at the right time where there's plenty of time to recover from it um, no that's probably a fair point but you've still only lost one game all season which is uh, uh, it's a good going 2008-2009 we only lost two and we didn't win the league either <laughs> no, true. Yeah, so it's it's always been drawn. I mean, uh, me and Neil in our Liverpool group, we say it all the time. It's draws that seem to cost Liverpool. Whether we're going for top four or you know title chance, we we seem to draw a lot of games. We can never convert those. You know, those silly the, the Leicester, the West Ham draws. You know, mm. the, the teams that you need to be beaten. Um, like how take draws against Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea. You know over West Ham West Ham because you know those teams are going to take points of other teams you just need to convert especially when you're dominating you can have an off game and draw and that's fine but when you dominate a game for large proportions you just need to take chances and unfortunately that's where it always costs Liverpool um, and it seems to be coming again so year 30 
Well, list uh, on to next week then, and uh, I say at least you have a game, whereas uh, a lot of teams don't. So you'll have the chance to go back to the top. Yeah, and men- mentally, um, that could be could be massive. Um, it would take the. I wonder if it would take the pressure off us a little bit, being back on top and just being that game ahead. Uh, meaning City would have to have two games in a week and well I mean suppose from a playing devil's advocate they don't play next week then it's a national break and then I think it's uh, the FA Cup semi-final shortly after that where if, as long as they beat Swansea they won't play again so uh, their games are going to be mounting up yeah so I mean presuming their the Champions League campaign continues because you expect them to get through against Schalke yeah you fancy them in that so I wish we could just come to an agreement. Look, they want the Champions League. They're favourites for it now. Look, just win the Champions League and we'll let us win the league. <laughs> it's, it's a fair deal. Well, we'll see. Um, last thing on Liverpool, uh, Oxley Chamberlain on his way back. I think you've really missed him. We we really have. I mean, I don't know how much we would have missed him had, had Naby Keita played more. Mm. Um, Similar player, yeah. You know, he, he that was the same kind of role. Um, but we certainly, I mean, I was very excited to sign Oxlade. Um, Arsenal fans were delighted to sell him to us. It seemed They said that he wasn't worth the money. I thought it was a bargain, you know, just playing that centre midfield role. Um, very direct. And like that Man City game that we had, where Ox was just phenomenal, kind of just yeah. summed up, you know, what he brings. So I'm just delighted to see him back. I mean, I don't think he'll have an impact on us on the pitch this season. You know, he might get a couple of games here and there. But I think it's more maybe a mental thing. He seems like a good lad around the team. Um, yeah. And hopefully it just brings a bit of positivity after the doom and gloom we've had the last few weeks. <laughs> you know, just that mental break to catch. And as you say, if you can bring him off the bench in a couple of weeks, there's talk he could be on the bench for the Fulham game. Um, That'd be a good boost for him if you can get him out there. Even if he's on the bench, you know, yeah. if you're winning four 0 you bring him on for the last minute just to make that, you know, that <laughs> sub that's always annoying. But you know, yes. this would be one of the ones that would maybe be appreciated just to see him. Well, as I say, after that, he's got two weeks in national break to uh, get himself up to speed. So you know, he might be an extra, an extra body for it's, the last. It's uh, last always running. a bonus. You know, it's that good old cliche. It's like a new signing. Well, this, yeah. one, this one really is, you know, um, not saying anybody in January, so it's so it's massive. But for me, it's just good to see him back on a park. Um, I watched the 40 minutes against Derby, um, and it was just, he was playing with a smile on his face, and he looked good. He looked quite sharp for being out for so long. Um, oh, well, fingers crossed him for him. Yeah, that's he's, uh, just, just got to wait and see, Dave. And we will hopefully be involved next week, or if not, then before the end of the season. Um, Chelsea and Wolves uh, was the, the middle game of the, the three games Sunday today. Uh, finished 1-1. Jimenez gave Wolves the lead um, with a scruffy goal, and then Hazard equalised in injury time because he was pretty much carrying that team. Um, I haven't seen much of this because, I'll be honest, I was out today, I came in, I watched Liverpool Burnley on record and then I sort of times 30 my way through Chelsea and Wolves because I don't like watching Chelsea. Did you see any of this? I've seen none of it at all. I've, I try to keep up with it on social media. But... Uh, well, I say if I'm watching it on times 30, Wolves played everyone behind the ball and tried to hit Chelsea on the counter. They did. They went ahead. 
Uh, and then Chelsea scored. Hazard's goal was decent enough, but it was like the 92nd minute um, from the edge of the box. And yeah, I mean, I don't like Chelsea. Um, I, I can take or leave Wolves, to be honest. So a draw, a draw pleases nobody, which yeah. suits me. What I will say is, I mean, Wolves, Wolves' record against the top six this season. Oh, very good indeed. It must be the best in the league. Probably, uh, I mean, I mean what has it done? Probably, but I, I just, I don't remember them losing many games. No, other than losing teams. other than losing that Man City when they got the man sent off fairly early on. Um, yeah. uh, they've held their own. And looking back, obviously Liverpool won at Molyneux quite easily as well. Right which enough, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which which not many teams have been able to do. Uh, obviously Chelsea lost there. Um, Wolves were taking points at Arsenal, at Man United, uh, beat Spurs. Uh, they got a draw at uh, Molyneux against Man City. So yeah, so yeah. it's just the, the two top teams really that have managed to to take three points. And yeah, I think that's a testament to how Wolves have been set up, and they're coached very well by their manager. Um, very tactically yeah. astute. They play their own style as well. They're, they're very, you know, they're not the standard. Let's play four-three-three, and you know, they have their own their own style, their own way of playing, uh, and it's it's very much it's work for them all season, really. Yeah, no, I think you see, it's, I, I, I'm intrigued by um, Wolves. Just, just the players that they have. You know, it's fascinating. I can't stand Chelsea. I'd love the Wolves win here. Um, but I like the fact that Chelsea have won because it just keeps up that battle um, where you, you know you don't Man United now don't want to drop points, which mm. you can see them go all out against City. Well, that's it. There's now four points between third place Spurs and sixth place Chelsea, and Chelsea have a game in hand, which is against Brighton, I think. So really, we could be down to three points between those four teams, and it's. Uh, Shaped up nicely for yes. the end of the season, and uh, the more the likes of Spurs have got to play for when they've got to play Man City and Man United for that matter. You know, obviously that plays into in the Liverpool's hands a bit. So uh, does, yeah, I'm looking at it the selfish way, of course. Um, but it just makes the games more entertaining. You know, I mean, I always get disappointed at the end of the season when games are just played out to like a, yeah. just a bland game because there's nothing to play for. That's a, I always hate but love to go to a team who's fighting relegation. Because you know you're going to get a battle. You know they're not going to just sit in and defend because they can't afford to to lose or they can't afford a draw. Um, the season West Ham nearly went down. You know they were they were very entertaining come the end of the season. You know the Tevez season. Yes. Um, yeah. And it just I don't know. It just makes it makes good. There's never a guarantee against a team who's fighting relegation. Very dangerous team. Second last game of the season. Um, Liverpool are away to Newcastle. That could be an interesting day for us, couldn't it? Well, I mean... There might not be a podcast that weekend. <laughs> I, 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 my hope is you've got that 40-point mark. Uh, I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're safe, Rafa will be playing uh, the, week, the weakest of week teams. Yes, Rafa <laughs> could be lying on his back, his legs and his ear, getting his belly rubbed by Klopp on the sideline. He'll be asking um, Hossler will be playing that week, that's for uh, certain. Yeah, he will lose godlike status if, um, <laughs> if you if you take any sort of points off us and that costs us the league. Um, we are game to go. Um, Rafa will uh, no longer be welcome. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, yeah, it could be an interesting one, Dave. I might, um, one of us might have to take that week off. 
Mm. Well, as you say, hopefully we're safe, so I probably won't care as much if we lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last game of the weekend was Arsenal defeating Manchester United two goals to nil. Um, if you'd seen both these teams play in midweek, uh, Man United were brilliant in Paris to come back to, to get through, whereas Arsenal were wretched um, away to Rennes uh, in the first leg of the Europa League game. And yet here we are, Arsenal won 2-0. Uh, Xhaka scored with a goal, with a strange goal where the shot, yes, it swerved, but De Gea just seemed totally foxed by it, as if he'd never seen a ball swerve in his life. Um, and then a very, very, very soft penalty, in my opinion, that uh, Aubameyang scored. I thought fair play to him, took some stones after missing last week in the derby. But uh, have you seen any of this? I've seen none of it at all. But the biggest shock I got out of this is that Arsenal kept clean sheet. As you see, yeah, especially uh, the way the game had gone. I mean, to be fair, um, Leno in goal played very well, but Lukaku missed three, four good chances. I mean, Rashford also missed a couple of good chances, to be fair, and you can't just blame Lukaku for it. But uh, I know. Oh, I mean, after <laughs> after after all the the progress Lukaku's shown recently, obviously scored twice in that game in Paris in midweek, had scored twice in I think his previous three games all all combined. Um, uh, he'll want some of these chances back I think he hit the bar very early on um, had a couple of saves as I say um, it was a strange game in that Man United had a lot of half chances slash full chances and whereas Arsenal played a very attacking team and it was it was quite end to end for a lot of it uh, not the usual cagey affair between two, two of the big clubs um, but Unlike Arsenal, they were more clinical on the day and won. Um, so fair play to them for that. But uh, surprising to see Özil play along with Lacazette and Aubameyang. It's not really, it shouldn't really be a science, but it's very rare he plays all those three. Uh, he played Ramsey in centre-back, which looked like a recipe for disaster, and somehow it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, who'd have thought playing your most creative player alongside your two best strikers so. would, would work? Ah, um, uh, but there's a time and a place, isn't there? Bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, like that, I'm sure that only happens. At, I mean, he was good enough for the Bernabeu, but no, not not at the Emirates. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, I didn't see much of the, any of the game at all. Not even the goals. Um, it's just that the results, you know, lined up as we just mentioned of the the Chelsea game. It's, it's just lined up that end of the season for those four teams. Um, you've you've got that mini battle. Whilst you've got the the league's full of mini battles this season, it so it's is, making yeah. most games mean something, especially come the end. So, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway: having not seen any of the game, um, and a resident Arsenal fan, as we said at the start, can't be bothered being with us. So, huh. um, well, I think for Arsenal, um, they'll really obviously want to stay in the Europa League. I know it gets a bad rap sometimes, but it's still a possible backdoor route in the Champions League. Um, <laughs> As well, going out to Ren, it's not exactly last year. They lost like Atletico Madrid. The French league outside of PSG is not traditionally all that strong, really. No, um, definitely not. So uh, they'll be disappointed, but uh, they've got a chance to turn it around. You'd fancy them to win a one-off game at, at home to Ren, but whether they could win two 0 or greater, then that's another matter altogether. Yeah, I mean, that away goal is crucial, isn't it? Really? I mean, yes, it is. I mean, you, uh, you fancy Arsenal at home, do you? Arsenal's pitch is obviously, is, I, I mean, it's very common known. It's it's one of the larger pitch, pitches. Yes. Um, for the way they play, I mean, 
they should be able to stretch Ren. I mean, that's if there's ever a game where you want to be playing Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette. You know, it's a game like that. Get Ozil on the ball. Just get him on the ball. Don't care that he's not running. That's nonsense that he has to run. He's one of the most creative players in the league. Just give him the ball. Get runners around him. And they can exploit most teams. You, you maybe don't want to do that against a Man City or Liverpool or, you know, a top team in Europe. But you're playing Wren. <laughs> like, I don't want to disrespect them, but, look, that, that league is literally a one-team league. It's more one-sided than Scottish Premier League. <laughs> you know, and just... It's time to just... This is where Emery needs to put his balls on the table and, you know, let's see how good his, his management is. Um, you're paying him 300, 350 grand a week. Let's, let's, you know, let's get the most out of him. My uh, favourite backstory in this is that uh, Adam Ben Arthur, who plays for Wren, um, fell out with Unai Emery when he was at PSG uh, and had, by all accounts, a very, very good game on uh, Thursday night and was uh, quoted afterwards as saying he had a smile at laughing at Emery on the sideline, um, being his usual, uh, I think he's called him agitated, which is probably a polite way of putting it. But uh, yeah, I think he's got a point to prove. And I have to say, he's probably in the top five players I've ever seen play live, Ben Arthur, when he's on his game. He is incredible. Yeah, loved watching him play. Um, always thought he was... It was it was his attitude, really, um, that stopped him going... Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, um, to a higher team because it was always tipped. You know, there was always links to two bigger clubs, but just well, never, never settled. Uh, sort of it's a, Very esque Yes, I mean it was a huge shame that he was getting left out for Dan Goslin towards the end of his time with us. Which <laughs> yes, is, uh, very true. That's which is, unacceptable. Which no matter po- what his attitude which is. is, it's possibly the most pardue selection of all time. <laughs> but but don't let us get started on that. Um, so that's uh, that's it for the games this weekend uh, I say a lot happened and yet not a lot happened in terms of the league table because everyone won who needed to win so Cardiff, Burnley, Southampton all picking up wins Brighton uh, beating Crystal Palace uh, and Newcastle winning just meant that everyone sort of moved up three points and uh, got closer to mid-table whilst the bottom two clubs are, are well and truly out of it whereas uh, Man City and Liverpool both won to, to keep the title race alive Uh Anything else from you, Ali, this weekend? Yeah, I just want to go back to the Europa League game. The the big referee controversy handball in the Man United uh, game. Oh, the Ch- Champions League game, yeah, sorry. Champions League game, sorry. I'm not yeah. used to Man United being there anymore. <laughs> um, what, what's your thoughts on it before I... So, this happened and I didn't have the sound on. I was watching on the iPad with... with uh, the wife was watching someone on the telly. Um, and I saw it and I went, that happens all the time. Didn't even clock that they would review this on VAR and then it became apparent they were reviewing it and I was like well this is a waste of time and then as soon as you ran over the screen uh, I was like well if they've gone to the screen they're probably going to give this because if, it, if it's been deemed worthy of review um, it, it's probably a penalty uh, and it was only then that I put the sound on and Darren Fletcher on the commentary was saying they've done the, the, the referee seminars and things and if the ball is blocked by the hand and it's not like by his side um, it's a penalty and if that's the rule and that's the rule then yes I guess it is but to me to jump to block a ball your arms are naturally going to come up and they never get given but on the other hand he has made his body bigger uh, and if that's the rule and that's what's going to be going forward then fine that's what it has to be 
see, now I, I think it's a clear handball, right? Mm. And purely for the fact, if he jump up, face the ball, Adam's still going kind of the same way, I'm all for not giving it as a penalty. Yeah. Right? But he is t- from, what, maybe 10 yards? Yeah. You know, distance. I mean, I know somebody said it's only like 0.4 seconds it's taken from when the ball strikes, he's about to strike his hands, so there's no time to change it. But the defender jumps, turns his back. Automatically, he's not in control of his body, his arm's gone to the side. My issue that is, my issue is the, the wording of the rule for handball, and it needs to be clear and deliberate handball. Define clear and deliberate handball, and how many of mm-hmm. them do you get in 10 seasons, let alone a game? Yeah. Because clear and deliberate handball was literally somebody punching the ball, you know, slapping the ball away. Doesn't happen. The, the interpretation that, that I always used was if a defender, even if he's not like, a handball can still be given if you've not meant to handball it. If you've gained an advantage, you know, by, like, even just like, if a player's knocked it down the side to you and you've just tried to turn and you've slapped the ball at a play, but this ball was going past you, and yet it's, it's still got to be a foul because you're gaining an advantage from your movement of what you're doing. Now, when yeah. you're jumping up to defend it, now, penalties are obviously, you need to be a little bit more sensitive because if not, you'd just be given penalties constantly. I don't know if you ever played FIFA and you put the handball rule on and literally if you just cross the ball at a defender inside the box, um, the, the game would give a penalty. <laughs> um, and that that's what real life would turn out like. But when you're jumping and turning your back in the box, to me it's the same as, you know those ones where that you get the penalties where, oh, are they, are they not? But the defender's just lunged in when he doesn't need to. The defender still is at fault, regardless of it, because you're giving a referee a decision to make when you don't need to. When it's a last-ditch tackle or a throwing your body at something, fine. But when you're in no danger whatsoever, this was a shot from 25 yards. Why are you turning your back? Well, I think that's the big thing. Pure negligence. Yeah, it's... uh, And for too long now, I think the excuse I've always turned is back he has not even looking at the ball has been an excuse to not give a penalty but as you say a defender in a Champions League game like that turning his back on a shot it's not really acceptable it shouldn't be an excuse as to uh, as to as to why it's hit his hand yeah um, I mean I know the guys discussed it on Friday um, and, and they all had valid points but I just feel it's like nobody everybody's just looking at the, the black and white letters of the law um, and there's a lot of grey areas because the the main black and white bit in the whole rule is everything is down to the referee's interpretation. Um, and for me, I just thought it was a clear handball, and I thought I, I struggled to see why it was such a big talking point, and mm. there was no criticism on the defender, and it was all on the referee. Well, I think as I say, for me, it was just they never ever get given, rightly or wrongly. That those sorts of things seem to certainly in the Premier League seem to be brushed over. Um, now I do think the European leagues um, are a lot harsher on handball than, than, than yeah. the Premier League is um, and I say if that's the way it's going to be that's absolutely fine as long as that, that's how it always is um, you know it shouldn't really be up for debate um, it's hit his hand his hand's not in a natural position you'd have to say um, so yeah um, as long as that's happened going forward I'm all for it yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the biggest thing coming out of it. You want to make sure when when that happens again, it's it's the same decision. Mm. 
Um, I, what I liked about it was was VAR calling over to get the referee to have a look at it um, because so many of them aren't given um, and I just think it's negligence from a defender um, and they kind of deserve what they get because you just don't need to be turning your back from there um, I mean you imagine that penalty well that penalty has cost them well it's hard I mean, it's cost PSG so it's funny but uh, you know it might not uh, be as, be the same when it's a wrong decision, if you know what I mean. Um, on this occasion, we think he's come to the right decision. Well, what odd was that uh, every single one of the pundits in the studio said it wasn't a handball. Yeah, well, that's um, the video I seen originally. Um, even I seen even the outrage. Even like surely they've heard the reasoning as well, um, and they still haven't changed their opinion. But just then, let's bit. just remember. Let's remember who's who those pundits are. Well, yes. <laughs> just let's take the intelligence level. I mean, that's you're talking about basically going back to like Robbie Savage and John Hartson style punditry, <laughs> um, Paul Merson esque. So you kind of don't expect any better, unfortunately. But it's uh, it's an interesting debate. But it seems like the closer we get to VAR, the more uh, the more strange decisions that are being made I don't, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not but things that never seem to come up before are now more and more apparent yeah I think as time goes on especially with technology now unfortunately it, it's just going to bring up more and more debates um, well that's the thing as we said at the a long time ago in this podcast now it doesn't matter what the rules are if it's the same bag of meat making the decision um, we're going to be no better off well, that's yeah um, my, my, as you said as I said earlier on my biggest concern with the whole VAR thing is who's making the decision still you know it's still the same referee yeah. making the decision I mean but as you say I mean how many times do many replays do we get you know in games and that's how it's easy for us as fans to make those decisions, I mean, I'd I'd be interested to be like a fly in the wall of a referee watching his game back on TV the same way we do, and seeing all the the replays we're getting, whether he still thinks the same as he did during the game, you know, like a little fly in the wall documentary type thing. Um, yeah. Because we're we're blessed. I mean, within a minute of a decision, sometimes we're getting four or five different replays, and different angles. And these guys are getting to see, you know, one in a second. Um, I mean, that, that referee's documentary that Neville and Carragher did was, was very interesting to hear. They, they went through some big decisions and they got the ref to explain that kind of thing. There's probably a market for doing that once a month and just having some refs on to talk about what, they, what, what why and how they've made the decisions. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I sort of touched on that a little bit last week, David. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, the adjudicators and the, the assessors. There's no reason there couldn't be, be some sort of even even if they didn't want to be in front of a camera because I don't think referees are media trained or that anymore. Um, not that you sh- you're wanting them to be complete robots and media trained, but why couldn't there be some sort of report, mm. you know, brought out where it's even in writing why the referees explained their decision to the assessors, um, and then at least you've got clarity whether you agree or not that he's only given his decision from that split second. You know, decision that he's made and where he's interpreted it from. Um, and at least you can, you're getting an honest answer. And, and this is why I feel referees get such a hard time. Whilst they deserve a lot of it, 
I mean, referee <laughs> standards is, is getting much poorer, but they would get much more, you know, oh, what's the word? You get much fairer, abu- fairer abuse, shall we say? <laughs> you know, much uh, more sympathy if if they were allowed to explain decisions, not even explain decisions, just talk through them sometimes. Um, because as fans with no experience as a referee or no nothing like that, you, you just don't know how, like, what angles they're seeing and how, you know, the situation of the game at the time, what's going on around, and you're trying to watch, you know, you've got 22 players you're trying to keep an eye on and you blink and you miss something as such. Um, and you just wish they were just, I don't know, they were more accessible to the media. Um, but the media don't help because the media are a bunch of scumbags and not very good <laughs> at their job. So, you know, they don't help us in that situation. But something along those lines, um, whether it be like even, as you say, a, a monthly report on big decisions um, yeah. or even just, say, five talking points, you know, like ones that, like, say, say it was a Sky or a BT that managed to get the report, you know, five decisions and five referees' assessments of it. And then they could have like a debate show around it. So the TV companies are still making money, still getting viewers out of it. Well, that's it. I mean, they show everything else. Like I'm sure, I'm sure they could make a, a show out of uh, when all the nonsense that goes on in a it's not just a weekend. It could be a month, as you say. It could be any yeah. time period, really. Well, uh, even going back to what you said, Dave, why not like Carragher and Neville get to go and ask the referees? You know, or ask a couple. You know, get say three referees like a little round table. And yeah. what, watching over decisions from the past month and say, right, why have you done that? It just, and not even interrogating them as such, just, it, it just educates them because a lot of pundits, I mean, you can see how uneducated pundits are on the rules, on, on the laws of the game. A lot of them have no clue. Yeah. They've played the game for years, but they have no idea. Um, well, that's, so, possibly, that's possibly the most dangerous thing, isn't it? And the BBC have been as bad as this as anybody during their cup coverage. Is that they peddle like Danny Murphy and Martin Keown will, yeah. will say will yeah. say something about VAR, and it's wrong. But on a terrestrial TV channel that's shown possibly the only football some people get to see, they will take that as gospel, as being you know 100 percent the truth about VAR. And that's so dangerous because it just it's spreading the, the wrong message about uh, about what it's all about, what it's trying to do. Uh, I can't think of the exact example now, but it was from the Southampton Derby game that was on a couple of months ago now. Um, and it's uh, these people should know what they're talking about if they're going to be talking to a mass audience. And as you said there, they, they, some of them just don't. And if they've been told, they're, they're ignorant and haven't listened. I, I agree. I, I firmly believe that all, all pundits who go into media work or ex-pros they should go through the referees exam yeah I think that's probably fair or yeah, some sort of course I believe all players personally who are still playing um, should be put through even even a a two day course a, a two, mm. you know a two night course six hours at a time or something just even just a basic fundamentals um, because players in the park don't know the laws of the game Um <laughs> And that's all. And and I try to encourage people, even if players, you know, like guys who are still playing football or who just stopped playing football, even if they're not planning going into refereeing, a lot of young guys just go and do the course. Just it educates you and can only enhance your game if you know more about it. You know, knowledge is power and all that. 
Well, it'd be nice to happen, but uh, I'm not sure it will, unfortunately. No, no, controversy equals cash, isn't it, at the end well, of the day? That's, um, yeah, I think that's the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, hence why Paul Merson has a job. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else for you, Ali, for this weekend? No, no, that's it. As I say, I, I really wanted to touch on the on the handball. Just it was it was um, frustrating me, but yeah, I think you summed it up best when you know we had a lot of good games and a lot happened, but nothing happened at the same time. It's a, <laughs> it's a very appropriate line because, um, as you say, nobody changed. Um, no, and uh, we didn't even get to talk about the Birmingham fan who punched Jack Grealish in the back of the head. Oh, yeah. Should, should oh. we talk on that? Especially after... I mean, I don't know if you've seen the, the Hibs Rangers game. On... I haven't. I, I saw the headline about Tavernier being... Uh, yeah. A fan jump onto the park, kicked the ball. I mean, it was kind of pathetic compared to the Grealish one, but jumps jumps onto the park, kicks like Tavernier's away to pick the ball up, kicks the ball off his legs and Tavernier kind of pushes him away. And Tavernier's kind of getting a bit of abuse from, you know, from officials saying, like, you can't be doing that. But who knows? Like, I'm not being a bit like a hypochondriac here, but who knows what that fan's potentially going to do? You know, he's got to protect himself. And I was very surprised at how calm Grealish stayed because I'm not sure I would have reacted the same way. No. You know, but... Um, it's a, it's a concern, really. Like the idiots that you've got going around in football nowadays. Um, the the Hibs sporting director summed it up best because Scottish football's under a, a spotlight just now, um, and Hibs have been at the centre of both of them. <laughs> yes. but, I mean, these aren't fans, you know. These are. I mean, every every section of fan base has idiots like these that go to the games that drink too much in a pub beforehand. Mm. Um, and, but that's all they are is mindless idiots and. It's it's one of those situations. I mean, who who is to blame for this? I mean, can we really punish a club for one fan coming onto the park? Um, I mean, I seen somebody on Twitter today said the minute you have a, a fan going to the park from your side, it's it's an automatic three match ban. A three point like you lose, you know, you deduct three points from the table. Uh, how many times do you then get? Well, you know how do you prove? How do you prove who the support, or is it just like whoever's at home, like well, whoever hasn't? I'd, I'd be getting tickets to Man City for the rest of the season, <laughs> and, and running around the park, smack, smacking Aguero every game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there definitely needs to be sanctions, but maybe it needs to be the law that comes down harder. You know, not just bans from stadiums. Maybe just start criminal punishment as well. Well, I mean that's. Uh... That's another discussion in itself, isn't it? But uh, we, we've been on a fair while here, Ali. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Good luck, Ross, editing this one, buddy. <laughs> oh. um, Ali, where can anyone find you if they want to take uh, up people? Uh, let's say it's Ali Thompson 84 on Twitter. Um, that sounds right. I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, and, and a little announcement that starting as of next week, hopefully, we're going to start recording 11 pieces of me again. So if um, anyone who's listening fancies putting a team together and coming on, just give um, me, Ross, um, or Ryan Goodman a little message and we'll try and get it organised. So 11 pieces of me is from that particular person who... The, you, pick 11, you pick a formation, pick 11 players, and the players must be retired. Um, it's not... I always go on about it. It's not just about the best players. Um, players that you know you've watched growing up. Um, and just have 
you know, players like um, like Dirk Kite's part of mine, not that he was growing up, but just like one of those unsung heroes. Um, and like a like a Jason, put it this way, Mark had, uh, Mark Ross had, Mark Fuduka, um, and Chris had Kevin Gallen. You know, that, <laughs> that's the type of players we, you know, we're looking for. Just those players that mean a bit special to you. Um, throw them into a position and, and tell us why you picked them and it makes a fun conversation. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing that come back. Uh, I actually found the team I'd started to draft in an old notebook at work the other day, which is what prompted me to ask the WhatsApp group, whatever happened to that? <laughs> well, you get that one finished, and then let's get you uh, well, let's it was, get you booked uh, in. It was about seven players in. I obviously got distracted before I could finish that team. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at find the podcast as a whole on Twitter at manonthepost. Uh, Ali, thank you very much. And yourself, thank you very much for hosting once again. A pleasure as always. Um, I'd like to say Chris is going to be back next week, but I just don't know. He's about as reliable as that Arsenal defence. Oh. Uh, well, Christmas stuff, he might be back next week. Um, <laughs> if not, if not, you'll have to put it with me again. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, and always remember to keep your man on the post. Yeah.